0: Let's begin this little message on Pentecost with a prayer. Oh God, on this day you once taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending them the light of your Holy Spirit. Grant us in our day by the same Spirit to have a right understanding in all things and evermore to rejoice in his holy consolation. All this only through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever, let all of God's people say amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. What's the best sermon you ever heard? Well, the looks on your faces are like, are you seriously, Pastor, are you kidding me? You expect me, I don't even remember what I had for breakfast 90 minutes ago, let alone remembering the best sermon I ever heard. Well, Let me give you some help. Was it that sermon with the perfectly timed preaching of the law that your guard was down and it just went like an arrow, stabbing you in the heart and convicting you, just like the prophet Nathan convicted King David for his own good after that Bathsheba affair and the Uriah the Hittite killing of her husband debacle? Was it a sermon like that? Was it a sermon that gave you the much-needed comfort of the gospel that you needed at the funeral of your mom, your dad, funeral of a loved one. Maybe it was a funeral or maybe it was a sermon that left you with an illustration that finally clarified for you after all those years of not understanding that Bible difficulty, that pastor shared with you an illustration that, boom, now all of a sudden I got it. Man, I finally understand predestination. Cool. (laughs) Now I can move on to something else. You know, maybe it was just one of those regular old Sunday sermons on a regular old Sunday addressed to a bunch of regular old Sunday churchgoers And there was nothing really special or dynamic or fiery about the preacher. But boy, that topic, that topic got you walking out of those doors right there on that particular Sunday, feeling like God himself had written that sermon and directed it straight at you. What was the best sermon you ever heard? In fact, how do you define a good sermon, or even a very good sermon, or even a perfect sermon? I mean, what is your definition for that? Each person has their own subjective kind of check off the boxes of what they think is a a good sermon, but you got to admit, it really is very subjective. Some people really like fiery preachers, especially on Pentecost, dynamic preachers, loud, soft, emotive preachers. Sometimes they even get dangerously close to being theatrically dramatic. Is that the kind of preacher you like? Maybe, you're the kind, maybe you like the kind of preacher that Pastor Fotenauer likes. He likes to listen very carefully to the content. What is this man saying if he represents God? And he closes his eyes... And he listens intently to every little syllable that comes off the lips of the preacher. What kind of preacher is it that you like? What, what subjectively hits your hot button? Well, I'll let you wrestle with that one. But one thing is certain. There are no perfect sermons. Because there are no perfect preachers. We are just simply clays, jars of clay that tried to communicate the truths of God's word to his glory, as faithfully as we possibly can with the gifts that he's given to us. But all that being said, there are no perfect sermons because there are no perfect preachers except for one, the one who spoke to us the words of our gospel lesson this morning. He was speaking to a bunch of disciples that were anxious, they were confused, they were scared, and they wanted to know, in fact, they were so desperate, they needed to know that Jesus was not going to abandon them. And so Jesus, in his love and compassion for his disciples, gave them exactly not only what they wanted, but what they needed in the form of a beautiful promise. And that beautiful promise was this, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father... The Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The advocate that Jesus is talking about is the Holy Spirit. And the word, the one word, In the Greek language for the Holy Spirit is parakletos. You probably hear the word paraklete. If you have an old King James Bible at home, you could look up these verses in John and it would say, instead of the Holy Spirit, it would say, when the paraklete comes. And no, it's not like my little sister thought when she first heard it and thought that God was giving her a parakeet, bird a pet bird. No, it's a paraclete. And this word is not easy to bring over and render into English, so it's often been translated as comforter, counselor, advocate, as it is here, helper. And it's when this Holy Spirit preaches that perfect Pentecost sermon, he does it just when we need it the most. You know, in a world that has as many opinions as there are 21-year-olds and above, it is really comforting to know that we have a counselor at backing us up and helping us out who is reliable and trustworthy and truthful with us and reminds us of words like this from Jesus, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When you need an advocate, because you are in so much anguish, you can't think straight to even know what to pray to God. Be assured of this. The Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. When you need a comforter, Because your brain is just so numb or your heart is just so numb and your brain is just so frazzled. He's going to use those words that you've heard many times in your life and he's going to remind you of Jesus' words. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And when you need a helper... In those times when you just don't have the words to speak, the Spirit promises that he's going to give them to you, and he reminds you of Jesus' words right here. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And like a Smart Alec Catechism student once said to me, Pastor, you know, I think I'm going to use that as a proof passage against your encouragement to me to always read my Bible. Don't ever use that as a proof passage to not read your Bible because the Spirit promises that He's going to give you the words to say at the very moment. At least have the courtesy to read your Bible and have something up here to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. That would be good. But the biggest problem that we have is not really needing a counselor or a comforter or a helper or an advocate. Those are all important. They're all important, especially when your heart is in anguish and your life is turned, turned upside down and topsy-turvy. The Spirit, though, comes to us and helps us with the greatest problem that we have. And the greatest problem that we have is the fact that we were born into a cemetery and we didn't even know it. We were born into this world dead to God. And we had absolutely no way to make ourselves alive to him. That's a problem. And so the Holy Spirit, in his grace and his mercy, he preaches to our souls the perfect Pentecost sermon. And he says to us, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And then he makes us alive to God to believe that this Jesus, this lion of the tribe of Judah, is my Lord. My Lord, who destroyed and devastated my three greatest enemies, the devil, the world, and my own sinful flesh. This Holy Spirit, in his grace and mercy, came and made me alive to God to believe that my Lord, Jesus, says that with just a few words combined with the sprinkling of just a few drops of water, that washes away the consequences of my sin. Oh my gosh, this just keeps getting better. And this Holy Spirit who made me alive to God and convinces me to believe that this, this, my Lord, my Jesus, his very body and his very blood is in, with, and under the bread and the wine of the Holy Supper, the sacrament of the altar. For what? For what? As a memorial meal only? Oh no. No, for the, for the assurance of the forgiveness of my sins. And strengthening of my faith in Him as my Savior, and then finally also the grace to serve Him with a God God pleasing life. This Holy Spirit, what a beautiful gift God kept in this promise to send Him to us, giving us this gift of faith to believe the promise of life that's attached to this Jesus, but also to give us the words to testify to His glory. Jesus went on to tell his disciples, And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Three little words. You must testify, he said to his disciples. And boy, did Peter ever testify. He did a bang-up job. And now this same Jesus comes here today through this gospel lesson. And he gives you the very same command. He stands right before you, eyeball to eyeball. And he says to you, you must testify. And the eyes get wide. And the palms start getting a little sweaty. And the heart rate starts going up. But Lord, I don't know what to say. You've been a confessional Lutheran all your life. But I don't know what to say. And I don't know if I have the gifts. And I definitely don't have the guts. And Jesus holds his ground. And with a little bit more of a smile on his face, still looking you eyeball to eyeball, he says to you calmly, but firmly, a second time, you must testify. But Lord, I don't want to risk any of my friendships. And it's just not my nature to put myself out there like that. And, And anyway, I don't want to say anything that's going to make me look like a fool. If you're saying something from this, you really think this is going to make you look like a fool? Then we have a whole other set of priorities that we need to work on you with. You must testify, Jesus says to you a third time. Three little words that makes an otherwise comfortable Christian feel very uncomfortable. Three little words that bring back memories of missed opportunities on your part. Three little words that shatter the illusion that you and I are good faithful christians three little words that expose our selfishness and our laziness and our apathy or all of the above you and i have not kept this command We have not testified to the glory of our Creator and our Savior and our Redeemer. And there have been times, you know as well as I do, that there have been times that we have actually refused to testify. That's the problem. And that problem is easy to identify. What's not so easy to answer is the question, now, what do we do now? Do we just hope that God didn't notice when we refused to testify about His Son? That's crazy talk. God doesn't, nothing escapes God's notice. Do we hope that God is just going to kind of look away when he sees what we're doing? That too is crazy talk. How can God be faithful to his own sense of justice if he's going to look away when we're not doing what he's telling us to do? Well, then does that mean that we should just prepare ourselves, brace ourselves for punishment That's the craziest talk that's come out of your head so far in this little three crazy comments that you've made. Because what does that mean? It means that you've forgotten the secret sauce in the salvation plan. It means that you've forgotten about the secret ingredient in the plan of redemption. It means that you've forgotten the X factor. It means that you've forgotten the Jesus factor. That God doesn't punish Christians because he punished his son in your stead. You see, the way out of this little predicament that we find ourselves in is really quite simple. We, uh, God's solution to our sin can very easily be found in the very testimony that he asks us to share with the world. Listen to just three. The Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. Before you can testify of the glory of Jesus to others, you need to preach this testimony of the glory of Jesus to yourself. God left the glory of heaven. The Son of God left the glory of heaven to come down to this earth to save the world. Now you need to personalize that. The Son of God came down from heaven into this world, onto this earth, to rescue you. And he had you in mind as he was marching up To the cross, and he was as he was hanging there. And it is because of this Jesus that you now have the forgiveness of your sins from the Father in heaven and the Holy Spirit. And it is because of the grace of God that you have eternal life forever. This God just keeps getting better and better and better. He comes to you in the waters of baptism, which takes away the consequences of your sin, and all of a sudden, you've been brought back up to kind of a neutral level. I'm almost as close as I can possibly be to what my father Adam was, other than the fact that original sin is still in me. But then, he comes to you in the Lord's Supper, on top of that, and he gives you this strengthening of your faith in your Savior, and Jesus is your Savior, He assures you the forgiveness of your sins, and because of that, boom, you're way up here, getting way more than you ever could have deserved and possibly thought. And then on top of all of this, bounty time, you're promised eternal life, all because of what Jesus has done for you. What a good and gracious God we have. What a great and glorious God we have. I can't wait. If it's this good for a Christian on this side of heaven with all of the frustrations and irritations and hurts and wants that we have, imagine what heaven is going to be like. I can't wait. Come, Lord Jesus, come. This is a message that you and I need to hear on a regular basis which means that that, this little worship opportunity that we have here has to become a can't-miss event in your life. It has to become a can't-miss event in your calendar. You've got to keep hearing this message of the gospel. You See, you and I are living in times right now where it seems to us as though the world is just spinning faster and faster out of control. Our friends to the south of the border are just shooting themselves, and they're becoming more and more polarized and divided. So much for united we stand, divided we fall. Our own countrymen are taking up this wonderfully wonderful practice Of target practice amongst one another. Seven shootings in Toronto this last eight days. You have countries like China that are getting more and more aggressive and rattling their sword and intimidating Taiwan, Australia, Indonesia. You have a country like Russia, or maybe we should speak more about its ruler, who bullies little countries like the Ukraine and comes in and performs mass destruction of its culture and its civilization in fact its infrastructure and it's actually out to destroy this it's like cultural genocide that's going on here this is what's going on in the world and if you've got fears and questions you at least have a counselor to give you the true reliable solution and answers to those questions what about the rest of the world this is the message That the world needs to hear. This is the message that God has entrusted to you. You must testify. You must testify to the glory of God and what he has done for humankind. So whether it's ink on paper, whether it's a sermon, whether it's a Bible study, nine o'clock Friday mornings, Once a month, women's Bible study at the Getzinger household. Or maybe it's just you sitting on the edge of the bed of your child's bed or your grandchild's bed. And you're sharing with them a nighttime Bible story. Be assured, this Holy Spirit that we're celebrating today, he's there working. And when the Holy Spirit is working, he preaches the perfect Pentecost sermon. What does this all mean for you? when you walk out of here today. What it means for you is that the next time you run into your unchurched neighbor, the next time that you're chatting it up with your with your coworker, the next time that you run into that friend that you haven't seen for a long time and you're kind of catching up, what you've been doing this last week? What you've been doing this last month? I would, I would suggest you entertain this idea and you try this one. You look at them and you say, you know, this may seem a little off the wall, a little out of, out of nowhere, out of the blue. It may, may seem kind of hard to believe. Um, but give me a chance and I'll explain. I went to church on Sunday. And I heard the most perfect sermon. And the message went something like this. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. At this time